Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Transformers and G.I. Joe cartoon movies. Watch for all the little parachutes when nobody dies. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It's very frustrating. It's the one that I like providing me with shade on hot days when I wanted to burp. Were you like, tell me about the rabbits, and you were like chopping away at it? No, I don't think you know what that story's about, if that's what you think. (laughs) It's a, a Mice and Men reference. Yeah, he didn't love a tree and have to cut it down in that story. No, but he loved his brother and then had to shoot him because he was terrible. The guy that had to shoot him wasn't the guy that wanted to hear about the rabbits. The guy who told him about the rabbits. I know. He told him, tell me about the rabbits to distract him and then shot him in the back of the head. Let's do that. I'd like to say I know what you guys are talking about, but I've honestly never read of Mice and Men. I've only seen the movie. This is why you're a lesser human being, huh? I don't know. It's just one of those books I never gave a shit to read. Say what? Nothing. Doesn't even listen while we're doing the show. Sorry. I was distracted <laughs> by a kitty cat. This is a this is a thing though because I, I don't know why I didn't remember this last week when we were talking, but when I first started dating my girlfriend was back when I was still doing horror, etc. And we, she used to come over and watch the movies with me when I was getting ready to podcast. And it was when we prepared for the Cronenberg show and she watched a couple of those with me and was like, I'm going to stop doing this now. Like, you're just going to have to watch these movies on your own. And hasn't watched a podcast movie with, for, with me since. Was it with the video drum? It was, I don't remember which movie broke her, but she's just like, I can't do it anymore. And then... Because I think I, I think I think because we because we did like all the all the Cronenberg movies back then, so oh. it was like I think I made her I got her to watch like a history of violence, and she's like, oh, this isn't bad. Yeah. And then we gradually eased into the '80s and '70s stuff, and she's like, oh. <laughs> say, was it Naked Lunch? Is that what that was? she was just like? No, I can't remember what it was. It's got to be video. Video. It's got to be Videodrome. Videodrome changes friendships. See, that's yeah. the thing I'm thinking. She stuck around. She just stopped watching the movie, so I don't think yeah. it was video drama. Yeah, I got a guy I'm hanging out with at work now. Uh, he's like 25, so I get to feel young again because he's like, you know, 15 years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, but he's never heard of video drum before. And he told me, he's like, I want to get into more like cult type movies because he likes like goofy horror movies and stuff like that. But he's like, I want to get into like more weird cult movies. I was like, well, you become friends with the right person. <laughs> and he's never heard of Videodrome before, so I was like, oh, 
when you need to come over and watch a video drum. And it's then a, I, it's a I good, felt... It's a good litmus test for yeah. how fucking weird you can go. Because once you see a man jam a pistol into his chest pussy... Yeah. You learn. You decide right then. Is there a line here? Is this the line in the sand where I go, no! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and... After I told him that, I was like, well, I wonder if we're going to be friends after that. We'll have to see. Well, what's going to be really weird is you got to work with this guy, right? So you're going to yeah. be like in the lunchroom, and he's going to be like at a different table looking over his shoulder at you and then whispering to the coworkers. <laughs> I mean, they all know I'm into weird horror movies and stuff, so it's not going to be a surprise. Is it? It's just going to be like, he made me watch a movie where a guy puts a pistol in his chest pussy, so... That's, that's all it's going to be. I'm just saying, if you're making a list of ten movies that you never say to someone, hey, let's watch this together, and then you sit down and watch it, like, yeah. I spit on your grave, <laughs> it's probably on that list. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, he's always like, oh, I'll just watch whatever. You just tell me what movies, and I'll... And I'm just like, no, 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 no. If we're going to watch a video drum, I have to, like, be there when we watch it. You, gotta, you should see. record that. That might yeah. be, like, a little bonus feature for one of our podcasts. And it's not like he's not, he's not like a normie. Like, we went and saw Reanimator at the theater together because I was like, hey, Reanimator's playing, like, next weekend at this theater 45 minutes away. And he's like, fuck right, let's go see Reanimator. I mean, he's seen it before. So, I mean, I don't know. Just, he never heard a video drum before. So I'm like, hmm, right. this is going to be interesting. Well, this is on that Cannibal Holocaust. I'd have to go on the list. Oh, no, I don't ever want to watch that again. I enjoy that movie, but it's a hard watch. Like, It's one of those ones that a lot of my favorite movies, I can watch them a couple days in a row. Cannibal Holocaust, I cannot watch that. No. It's, I don't think enjoy is the right word. It has the desired effect on you. The desired effect is not necessarily pleasant. So it's like I respect Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. I appreciate that the artists who made it can do that to you. I don't think it's not true that it doesn't bring me joy. Because <laughs> it's it's an awesome movie, and awesome movies bring me joy. I think the problem is, is the joy is templed with nausea. <laughs> yeah. That's... I agree with the last part of what you said. It's kind of like being addicted to heroin. Like... When you're doing the heroin, you're like, yeah, this is great. And then immediately you go, oh, yeah, this is killing me. <laughs> it's a bad. It's a bad thing. I'm sure that the filmmakers behind Kendall Holocaust would love to hear that analogy. <laughs> I'm sure they would not go, hmm, accurate. Oh. Well, they would the consider it a success. That's. That's what we were going for with the turtle scene. We were like, yeah. what would it be like to have heroin withdrawals in the middle of a film? No. <laughs> I just put my head down and didn't even watch that scene because I knew what was coming up. I'm like, nope. Not going to do it. I went into Cannibal Holocaust completely blind. Somebody was like, it was like a bunch oh. of years ago. Somebody was like, this is like the worst thing ever. You should never watch it. And I'm like, fine, I won't. And then... Well, kind of like reached over quietly and picked the DVD up off the shelf and just paid for it and put it in my pocket and ran home as quickly as possible. It's, like, it's, it's one of the few films that lives up to the uh, legend of whatever it came out. 
you know, because everybody talks about how whenever it came out, the gore effects were so fucking realistic that, you know, people flipped out. People thought it was real. And it legitimately, still to this day, you watch it, and even knowing it's fake, you watch those gore effects, and you're like, sweet fucking Christ. Like, they really hit your nerves on it. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Like that movie, like, taught filmmakers a lesson, and if you go back, like, in the years following, gore effects got worse, because they're like, let's just, we don't want, we want people to know this is all in good fun, don't we? Oh, oh, that worked too well. <laughs> We're, we should not do that anymore. Well, and plus the film board was like, okay, no one ever hurts an animal in the making of a film ever fucking again. Which is a good rule. It was, it was a good rule. You'd think they would have came up with that rule sooner with the westerns, you know, breaking horses' legs and shit to get shots. Uh, yeah, All right, we're making each other sad. We should probably yeah. move on. We should probably uh, talk about the movies we're actually here to talk about, not Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> it does seem decidedly <laughs> inappropriate for this week's show. I was gonna, I was going to say, I know you think we're going to try to get less sad, and I don't think that's going to work by going into these movies. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we could start off with Transformers the movie, uh, which basically... Cause it, the, the sad part of this movie actually affects the, the sad part of the next movie. Um, so, uh, you know, Transformers was around as a TV show. They decide, let's make a giant movie. And uh, <clears throat> we see this giant planet-eating Transformer called Unicron destroying everything in its path. Uh, <clears throat> enlists the aid of the recently uh, defeated uh, Megatron who got beat to a pulp by Optimus Prime but killed Optimus Prime before you know uh, before uh, he was beaten and then uh, turns him into Galvatron and a bunch of other dead Decepticons into his army you you really just glazed over that first bit of the movie <laughs> nah <laughs> I'm just going into a general, and then we're going to get into specifics. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, it's up to the Autobots to uh, stop Unicron from destroying Cybertron while also battling uh, the Decepticons now led by Galvatron and his band of misfits who are also trying to steal the Matrix of Power, which was passed on from the dying Optimus Prime. And supposedly is about the only thing that can destroy Unicron. So yeah, Transformers the movie. So what 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 did I glaze over, Noah? What what should we what should we talk about? Uh the Autobots, and by the Autobots I mean every beloved character people who grown very attached to over the course of the T V show, uh start dying at what, the seven minute mark, I think? Sounds about right. And at the twenty minute mark I think all but three are dead. Which is insane. They killed off every fucking character. Pretty fucking unceremoniously, might I add. Yeah, which I found out why. Uh, I don't know what you guys... How, how did you guys watch this? What do you mean? Well, I mean, what format did you watch this? Uh, mm -hmm. I rented it off Voodoo. All right. Yeah, I just streamed it. Um... 
because of course I have the Shout Factory uh, 30th anniversary Blu-ray. All, right. all kinds of shit on it because I'm a sucker for Shout Factory. Um, but I watched it and they talked about how they didn't. They were just looking at it as like a the show, obviously, and this is not a surprise. It, to them, it was just a giant commercial for the toys. Yeah, they wanted to bring out a second generation of toys. Yeah. And the thing is, the whole, the whole reason they killed everybody is just, well, we're going to bring out the, the next wave of toys, so we're just going to kill off the entire original line of toys, and thus, uh, you know, whole new wave of toys, and this is our easy way to do it. Yeah. And, and they said they had no clue that people were going to be as upset as they were when they killed off pretty here's, much the entire Here's the roster. thing about that. like, As an adult watching this, it's obvious that that's what they're doing. I know that yeah. all of my beloved childhood <laughs> TV shows were all commercials for the toys, and they all worked because I owned all the toys. Or yeah. whatever, ones like, whatever ones I could, right? And I think they actually did it in a really clever way with, uh, with this one because by setting this movie 20 years after the TV series, mm-hmm. they could always go back and do more of the TV series and reissue those original toys as well so they, they did a good job on their marketing where they slipped up i think is not that they killed off the characters it is that in the like there are it is like robocop for god's sakes like these guys are being killed <laughs> off like that scene in robocop where they had the guy all shot up and beat and then they walk up and stand over him and put bullets into his head yeah that happens in this kid's cartoon <laughs> it does and that is unexpected. Like I haven't, I haven't seen this movie since the '80s. I'd forgotten most of it, other than a few visuals and stuff. And I was fucking caught off guard when they're like just murdering characters on screen. Not, not you know, guys dying in battle. Not guys like you know, with the exception of Optimus Prime. There's nobody who goes down in a big heroic way or has like a big drawn out death scene. It is just blatant murder. It is the villain characters. Because <laughs> even the villains, when they start turning on each other, like, uh, what's his name? Megatron is like all injured from his fight with Optimus. And Starscream just picks him up and tosses him out of a fucking <laughs> spaceship into air, assuming that he'll just drift forever because they don't breathe, right? They're robots. Yeah. Too, too destroyed to be able to like do anything. So he's just going to drift forever. That's the plan when he picks him up and throws him out that window. And everyone seems to be okay with it. Like, what is going on? Like, this is some dark shit happening in this yeah. cartoon. And I know that it was the 80s, and I know that kids' shows were not as sanitized as they are now. And that the divide between kids' television and adult television was not as strong, but... Come on, man. Right. Well, it's an interesting this this entire movie is the product of a fascinating like storm of events that all came together the wrong fucking way. You know what I mean? So first they wanted to they wanted to kill them off to bring in the new toys, right? In the eighties there was the big delineation of violence against robots isn't real violence. 
Yeah. So, so you didn't have to worry about killing off robots because robots weren't people. The problem with Transformers is robots are people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's very much a thing. And then the idea of originally the movie was supposed to be G, but according to market research, PG-13 movies do better in theaters than G movies. So they added profanity and ramped up the violence a little bit to give it that PG-13 rating, thinking that it was going to make them more money and not, you know, destroy the psyches of children. In the documentary, they said PG, not necessarily PG-13. Well, well, PG, I guess it was... Yeah, still. Same, same, yeah, same thing. They just, they threw it, yeah, they threw it in where he says, oh, shit, and then... Uh, I actually read that they uh, edited out of every home video release up until the year 2000. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, it well it really stood out. Like, uh, it really stood out to have the uh, the swearing in this movie because it still looks like a kids' show, right? Oh Despite yeah. What's happening? And you're like, and then the swearing, you're like, well, that that doesn't seem right. <laughs> well, how are you? How are you going to break this into three parts and show it on Saturday mornings in three consecutive weeks if you have swearing in it? I think, and I think the last part of that storm I was referring to is the fact that they brought in really, really talented artists. So uh, one big difference between this movie and the next movie we're going to watch is GI Joe pretty much looks like the cartoon. Like they didn't yeah. do anything different. But this one, they actually did bring in more of like uh, I would think of it as like it is an Eastern style, uh, Eastern style art. You know what I mean? It's a lot more Akira if you pay attention to it in parts, just the way it's drawn. Yeah, they said that. Yeah, they definitely upped the budget for the animation, so there's a lot more detail for all the characters. And yeah, and the issue backgrounds and all that stuff. The incredibly <laughs> talented artists they brought in. Did a very good job of when the Transformers are being ruthlessly murdered, <laughs> having like looks of horror and anguish and stuff on their face, where it's, it's brutal. In uh, the scenes that Doug, or Doug actually was talking about, they talk about that too, where the juxtaposition was like on purpose that like there's this deep humanic, humanic. Uh, Oh, what the fuck would you call it? Deep humanity and the death of Optimus Prime, where he's surrounded by his friends and stuff, and he, you know, uh, essentially passes like in a, on a hotel gurney, and like you see like his vitals drop and like all that stuff. It's supposed to be very emotional, and then juxtapose that with the villains who just chuck each other out of the door and try to, you know, declare themselves the leader from now on. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, and what's really strange about the movie too is because that's what we're talking about now is the first fifteen minutes, all the murder yeah. and death and destruction. But then there's a whole stretch in the middle where it really becomes a kids' cartoon. They bring in like Eric Idle doing voices, and there's like a bunch of guys on a garbage planet getting chased by things, and they gotta like just again just they're just blowing up other weird looking monsters and stuff you know things that it's okay to kill in a kid's cartoon and you're just like but wait a second we were just all really sad and now you're just trying to show me what's essentially an episode of a kid's cartoon in the middle of this to make it feature length and i'm not sure if that's acceptable <laughs> yeah I, I also think there was this problem of i feel like even though transformers was an 80s cartoon the second gen of 
Transformers they were trying to sell kids were even more 80s somehow and were not what they were what an adult in the 80s thought a kid in the 80s wanted like no kid wanted a hot pink fucking station wagon ass looking sports car as a transformer nobody fucking wanted that well to be fair when he became Rodimus Prime he was a truck that was hopping he was a hot (laughs) pink dildo looking truck <laughs> they were they were the worst second gen transformers are the worst. Uh, um, so what does everybody think of Unicron as a villain? Uh, he's awesome. Yeah, I I wasn't completely sold until the end when he transforms into that giant planet smashing monster that he becomes yeah. <laughs> and you just see him like as a robot just drifting in space just beating the shit out of planets and I'm like yeah that's awesome <laughs> really the, the voice doesn't sell you well okay the voice was well done oh my god the voice cast that's that's something we didn't mention the voice cast yeah. they brought in some the fucking big swinging dicks to fill in the uh... yeah they said they needed some marquee names to help sell it for you know, going out to theaters, which is kind of hilarious because if you're trying to sell like toys to kids, you don't need marquee names. No, right? Like especially not in the cartoon where you're not going to see the faces. Yeah, it does seem like you could just tell kids, "Hey, there's going to be a movie at the movie theater. Bug your parents till they take you." Should pretty much be like enough. Because it's weird because I'm like I'm trying to remember the '80s, but I don't think adults were going to see Transformers the movie in the '80s without kids. Kids don't give a shit if Orson Welles and whoever else is in this. Like it's it doesn't make any whoever, sense. Right? Leonard Nimoy, sir. Leonard Nimoy. Well, I think okay, but sometimes you... adults weren't even going with their kids. Like me and my friend went and saw it. We were like seven or eight, and they just dropped us off at the theater, and we just went and watched it. And they came and picked us up later. <laughs> with you crying on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> did something? Did something happen? Yeah, we went to the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> they killed Optimus Prime. Those monsters. They're sons monsters. of bitches. Watch your mouth. They were sons of bitches, I tell you. We learned these words from the movie you just sent us to by ourselves. <laughs> I mean, you send your kid to the theater to watch cool robots fight, and they come back with an understanding of death. <laughs> Probably not the desired effect of a children's movie. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so strange, though. And it's it's weird, because it's pretty obvious that they're still trying to sell toys the whole time. Like, as an adult watching this, you're like, yeah, obviously, like, you can tell which Transformers are based on existing toys and which ones are on the new toys that'll be coming out the year, like, or the three months after the movie gets released. You can clearly see the delineation, and then you're still like, but then... They don't usually kill this many people in commercials. I know I fast forward through most of the commercials now with PBR, but still. Also, before we started recording while you were uh, resetting your computer, we did bring up the fact of how fucking inappropriate can a soundtrack be in a movie? What are you talking about? This is amazing. No. All the songs on the soundtrack are amazing. Yeah. 
all of the scenes that they're laid over are completely fucking inappropriate. <laughs> There's not a single moment in this movie where you go, oh yeah, that's the song that should be playing in the background of this scene. I would argue the introduction of the uh, Transformers on the junk planet to Dare to be Stupid is perfect. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Because they're, they're pretty much just comedic characters anyway. So just, yeah, use a Weird Al song to introduce them. We're all good. But can we talk about the fact that Optimus Prime goes on a fucking, uh, essentially a DUI murder spree? <laughs> like, <laughs> you got the touch blaring over it? Which, a rumor that we were questioning uh, when we reviewed Cobra... The originally the the touch was supposed to was recorded for the movie Cobra. They didn't use it. Uh, confirmed in the documentary on the Blu-ray. Huh. Stan Bush says they wrote it for Cobra and then they ended up not using it. And then the record company got it in the Transformers movie instead. I'm just saying, who the fuck decided that was wrong to play? Yeah, like if anything, you're just proving our point by saying the movies are. Like songs written for the movie Cobra ended up in a children's, <laughs> in a children's cartoon. Very low crossover there. I'm just saying, it, you would have to be a fucking sociopath to think that you got the touch is an appropriate song to be playing over the radio while one of your heroes commits fucking Decepticon genocide. Hey, they're Decepticons. They had it coming. That's actually a pretty solid point. <laughs> They're like, man, okay, so we've killed off most of the Transformers. We really got to catch up fast. What should we do? Oh, we should just have Optimus just go wanton kill a shit ton of motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, so good. I did notice that I thought the uh, more of the big name Decepticons lived than the bigger name Autobots, which was interesting to me because I wondered if, like, I was in my head, all I'm trying to do is, as a grown up watching this is going, so I'm assuming that means the first round of Christmases after Transformers came out, kids got all the Autobots, but they still needed to buy all the Decepticons, so they didn't want to take all those guys off screen quite yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. It's possible. Although, Starscream, which I would argue is the probably the most famous outside of Megatron. Just reduced to dust. What, this. What, what you mean is Robo Cobra Commander? Well, yes, yes exactly. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently that guy's a stand-up comedian. I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Well, presumably he doesn't use that voice on stage. Uh, I bet he probably does now. It's probably his claim to fame. He does. He does a shit ton of voices. I don't know if you guys have ever seen his. Uh litany of characters that he does but it's pretty broad i just know him as megatron or uh, starscream and cobra commander it's so, funny cause, like when i was when i was watching transformers i hadn't rewatched gi joe yet and i heard the voice and i'm like why is cobra commander in this <laughs> like i wondered if like hasbro had deals with people or something yeah. same guy <laughs> so next question is jazz yeah. Embarrassingly racist. Or diverse character that just happens to be played by Scatman Crothers. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, his name is Jazz. Maybe that's not good, but I just don't think it's like a purposeful. He's 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 a he's a at least a Jar Jar level. Of <laughs> it it's an interesting racial thing. patois. It's an interesting yeah. thing because if you don't, you want racial diversity in your cast, right? Everyone would agree to that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have them be at least a little bit over the top, then how would anyone know? That those robots are racially diverse. I mean, they're robots, right? I know, but yeah. Because race does play like an, I think, an odd part in this movie. Because when Optimus Prime is dying and he has to pass on that Matrix thing that I think they just invented for this that had never been mentioned before in the cartoon. Although it did, it did become a huge part of canon after. Did it? But so, but he has to pass it on. He just kind of passes it on to the other blue and red robot. And everyone's like, well, that guy doesn't seem prepared. And they're like, you'll be prepared now that you got this. And that felt very kind of like, I'm going to pass it on to the one that looks like me. I assume since he looks like me, he has all the same skills I have. <laughs> it, it, it seemed inappropriate. Well, I mean, his name's Ultra Magnus. So, I mean, of course, the name alone is just enough. Who Does picks their names? Find that? Know? I have no idea. But did anybody find it upsetting uh, at that part of the film? Because after after having seen it before and knowing how it ends with Hot Rod becoming Rodimus Prime, mm-hmm. when he catches the leadership matrix at the beginning, you clearly see that the thing like lights up and it's like, oh! And then everybody's like, nope, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he, did, he did not just, uh, you know... Uh, Optimus Prime did not just give a weird, hazy prophecy about <laughs> there being like a chosen one who will be able to use it. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, "Huh, that's kind of weird." Then just move on. Uh, I'm, sure I'm sure it's not important. Killed later. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be reading a little too much into this. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> literally was. We got to sell more toys. We got to kill everybody <laughs> off. But if we get Rodimus, the Matrix of Leadership, at some point, we can make two toys. It does. There are a bunch of like sweet moments, though. Watching Unicron eat planets is pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I read that there was an editing mistake, and then it shows Cybertron having three moons instead of two, which was an accident. Because he, after he eats the first moon and the second moon blows up, and then it shows uh, Galvatron doing a speech, and you see another moon fly by in the background, and that was like an editing mistake. Wasn't supposed to happen. Oh shit! But then apparently on Beast Wars, which I didn't watch, I didn't really watch anything past the first, whatever the first TV show was. Uh, but apparently they made it canon in, in Beast Wars that there was a third moon, and it still had. Uh, like claw marks and stuff from the battle with Unicron. Nice. That was interesting. See, no matter how much the people at the top were just trying to make a commercial, there's always some people involved who actually give a shit. Yeah, like that. Do Do you guys think that uh, that whenever they were writing this movie, they were like, "Let's just take Galactus and make him into a Transformer"? (laughs) A little bit, right? Because the Transformers comics, those were Marvel comics, right? Yeah, they were. So yeah, there's definitely something to that, I think. 
Yeah, they don't really talk much about the creation of Unicron in this in the documentary that's on the disc. Of course, they talked a lot about Orson Welles coming in and just being in horrible health, and, which is why they had to synthesize his voice to make it a little stronger. Yeah, and there's even there's a rumor that somebody else did his voice for part of the movie. Uh, yeah, and they debunked that. They said that was actually wasn't true. He had finished all of his lines and stuff, okay. but they just had to. They just had to synthesize a lot of it. So they said it's not 100% Orson Welles, obviously, because they had to fiddle with it. But, yeah, what do you do? The sound mix on that's awesome, by the way. Whenever Unicron talks with the rumbly bass, I mean, it's all awesome. Especially if you get a good, like, home stereo system and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would say on the Blu-ray disc, the, the 4K scanner or whatever, like, it looks gorgeous. In the documentary, they show some of the restoration, and they compare it to like some of the old releases that are pretty much like unwatchable by today's standards because they're so blurry and everything. And how uh, they clean all that up, which is really cool. The last uh, thing: uh, Does anybody think it's weird that they were like, "Okay, so Megatron turned into a gun," and everybody decided that that was bad and stupid and too gun-like, yes. and we don't want that anymore? So Galvatron's not going to do that. He's going to turn into a weird alien cannon that looks like a dick. <laughs> you think everything looks like a dick? Though. You're always there's a lot of phallic and... imagery in movies. I, I think that it looked like a cannon, and cannons happen to be a it little bit similar in shape. <laughs> but I mean, they're not that way to look like dicks. They're that way because that makes the most sense when you're trying to shoot a cannonball at somebody. I don't think so. I think they're also meant to look like big dicks. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, the first person who made a gun, that's what they had in mind. No, they did. They, they were like, like my barrel's longer than your barrel. The, the part I find weird about the whole scenario is the sizing of everything. Because the giant robots that turn into cars turn into cars that are the size of an actual car. But mm. the giant robot that's the same height as those guys turns into a gun and becomes the size of a gun. Which is really weird, right? Which I always had a problem with. Yeah, because it's like well, he turns into a gun, and then someone has to pick him up and shoot him. Like that doesn't dumb. even make any sense. It's not a great thing to no. turn into. Which is why when they change him to Galvatron with a cannon, I'm like, at least that makes a little bit more sense. At least then you can shoot at people yourself, right? No, still know, not good for the mobile mobile thing where you're just stuck being a cannon in one spot. But and eventually, don't they change it to where he turns into a jet? I thought they did. I have no clue. It's been forever since I've watched anything besides the movie. I did try to like watch some of the original series and was not impressed, but this was don't, like don't do that. Fifteen years really? ago. I, so. thought, I thought the first the first couple episodes of Transformers is awesome. Yeah. It's been it's been like forever since I tried, so maybe I would appreciate it more now, but yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool because it starts on Cybertron and they all look like uh they're still Transformers, but they look like alien vehicles like the real futuristic looking it's pretty awesome uh do either of you have a favorite transformer uh i was always a big ratchet fan i think i'd have to go with like Soundwave. he is pretty good because he turned into a boom box and it was the 80s I had some of, I didn't have him, but I had some, I think I had traded some kid at school for something. Uh, so I had like the little, uh, it looks like, 
Yeah, cassettes, the one that kind of looks like a Doberman, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I had. I had the, my older brother had those, so I had them occasionally, and then you'd find out I had them and take them back, and then I'd have them again for a little while. Stop so, going to my room! Pretty much. <laughs> I was always a big Ironside fan, too. And uh, when rewatching this, it had been a while. It's amazing how in the newer movies, even though they're bad, uh, John Goodman does a really fucking good impression of the original voice. I never realized he was doing that because to me it just sounded, you know, John Goodman-y. I never uh, realized he was doing that either, but that's because I refused to watch those fucking movies. <laughs> uh, I watched the first one. I enjoyed it for what it was. I watched the second one, and once I found out there was Robot Heaven, I decided I was pretty much done with the series. I was, I was in a theater. I had taken my niece's nephew to see the second one. And <laughs> robot heaven showed up and i lean back in my seat and i feel bad because i hate people who talk out in theaters but i just went oh fucking michael bay (laughs) (laughs) and my niece looked at me and she goes you're not enjoying the movie uncle doug i felt kind of bad (laughs) Uh, i'm like uh i'll just i'll just check out and see if i can fall asleep till this is over (laughs) i just wish michael bay would quit fucking with my childhood <laughs> right let somebody else fuck my childhood up for a little while i just i don't need the same person to keep doing it well i just i don't understand why it would be hard to me and we'll talk about this again with the next movie why is it hard to translate these old things into new movies don't they have a whole bunch of stories from transformers yeah. pick one and fucking make it like what's the problem same same thing's going to apply to G.I. Joe. I mean, they've made the G.I. Joe movies aren't nearly as bad as the Transformer movies, but they're not great either. And there's tons of information out there that you could just use to make a good movie. I enjoyed the second one. We'll get into it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they got like how many seasons of different versions of the cartoons and plus uh, um, years of comics. Comics. Yeah, like everything. Tons of like iconic characters that would not be hard to recreate. Like it's. You know, you pick a point of view character and have it be his first day in in the Autobots or his first day in the Joes, whichever one. And you go and meet all the other characters, and you go have a battle. What's the problem? Yeah. In the movie, of all the things that made me slightly happy, is the fact that uh, Grimlock makes it through. <laughs> and so, a good portion of this movie is just going, "Me, Grimlock." You know? <laughs> uh. Yeah, I I was gonna say I think Grimlock's probably my favorite one because I was really into dinosaurs when this was going on. Yeah, the Dinobots. Nope. The Dinobots are hilarious. Like because it's they created characters because they're like, oh, kids like dinosaurs, kids like robots. This is a no-brainer. And then like they need a unique characteristic. What if we make them real dumb? (laughs) (laughs) Why would they do that? Uh, I just figured since supposedly in real life dinosaurs had very small brains that that just transferred over into so when they're building the robot versions of them they're like put a little brain in it we want it to be as yeah. accurate as possible sure all right well weren't they supposed to be like it's, it's been forever weren't they supposed to be Autobots that had been on earth when the dinosaurs were around but I then think were... there is something like that and then they found them in a cave and they still worked for some reason they had to recharge the battery well, yeah. they're all there's. It's really complicated. So originally, the Transformers crash land on Earth, right? 
and they crash land on Earth before there's life on Earth. It's like primordial Earth. Oh, that's right. But they crash land and get buried, and then they don't reactivate until like modern times, basically. Mm. And the whole thing is like the dino bots are supposed to be the ones that activate it sooner. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I forgot that they had crash landed and basically slept for like millions of years. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. Which I guess doesn't make any sense because then what? The Decepticons? They just the Decepticons did not sleep for millions of years. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's it. And whenever they come out, the the Decepticons are like, ah, we detect energon. Get some energon up in this bitch. Oh, is that so? Is that what it is? Like I said, I haven't seen, I've seen the movie, but I haven't seen much else since I was a kid. So, I mean, was that is that why they sort of took over everything because the Autobots were asleep? And then they were like, no, the Autobots. Uh, so the Decepticons. Uh, but it makes like, no sense. Fuck this series. The, well, no, the Decepticons <laughs> led a coup on uh, Cybertron, and the Autobots escaped to Earth. And the whole idea was that Earth had a little bit of energon on it and they were going to go to earth to get the energon to have enough energy to come back and fight off the decepticons yeah but then they got stuck on earth forever and as it turns out earth does not have a little bit of energon earth has a shit ton of energon <laughs> and so i can't remember if it's the decepticons come to earth to get the energon and end up waking the transformers up or if it's the transformers waking up and going after the energon that gets the decepticons all hornied up but they show up to be like, you guys are the other guys, and we don't like you. Die. Mm. And thus is every plot of every <laughs> episode. Ever. Just a bunch of robots fighting over giant big cubes. <laughs> it's literally, I've always thought it's a literally just a big metaphor for oil. That's all it is. It's like two groups of people killing each other over oil. I mean, I can I can see how that would work, and I'm sure that in some of the late, more complex stories, they had people who were weaving in metaphors. But I feel in most of the original series, it was just like these guys need a reason to fight. Okay, they both want the same thing. Okay, what thing? I don't know. Draw a pink cube, and later we'll fill in something better. And then nobody bothered to change. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... That the only thing I remember from the original series was an episode where two or three Autobots go back in time somehow. And so they end up on Cybertron like millions of years ago. And then there's some random robot guy that they become friends with as they're trying to figure out how to get back home. And he ends up getting like hurt almost to the point of death so they take him to like this uh i don't know would he be a doctor or a mechanic i don't know how i don't know how that works it, it <laughs> transforms yeah uh to get him fixed and they basically have to replace like a lot of his parts or whatever and then it turns out that they helped create optimus prime because that's who he became like after they fixed him and I'm a giant sucker for time travel stories, so that one always stuck in my head. But, yeah, that's pretty much like the only episode I ever remember. Yeah. I also, I love the fact in the Transformers universe, uh, organic life is the weird thing. Yeah. 
that there's tons of planets with these robo-creatures all over the place. But Earth's the only one that has fleshy meat packs. <laughs> and now maybe we could have some kind of a Marvel crossover since Disney owns uh, like Star Wars. HK-47 could fight Transformers. <laughs> Wait, do they own Hasbro? Uh, they, I think they still own the rights to the Transformers comic books. Well, IDW Prince is doing new comic books. Oh, do they? So maybe, yeah. maybe well, it's I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Don't know. Uh, anything else about Transformers before we transition to GI Joe? Uh, no, not really. I think no. just. I mean, if we're t- we usually decide whether we liked the movie or not, and I would say. Oh yeah. The, yeah, like the movie holds up real well as an adult I think watching it I'd probably like it more now than I would have as a kid because I don't find robot death as sad now but there is that whole middle part where it definitely becomes like a kids movie it's just any excuse to have cheesy action sequences and funny moments Um, but the beginning is so dark that you need something to lighten it up (laughs) and the ending is pretty cool yeah I still really enjoyed it too um, I told Amanda because she's like, well, "What movie you got to watch tonight?" And I was like, "The Transformers movie from the '80s." And I was like, "But you'll be happy to know it's probably the best Transformers movie that's ever been put out." So I don't think the term "probably" is fair at all. Like, it's no. obviously the best Transformers movie. <laughs> she uh, kind of shrugged her shoulders and went and made dinner. So I don't know if she was that impressed. I was thinking somebody told me Renegades is pretty good, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, no idea. It's another animated one. Uh, so did you still enjoy it now? Yeah. No, I. Uh, it's it's a great movie, especially from like uh, uh, just an animation perspective. Mm-hmm. Especially since I miss old school, what I consider uh, like non-anime art, if that. Yeah. Because I feel like everything that's animated now either is anime or whatever that weird hyper-realistic cel-shaded shit is. Which I wish they would stop fucking doing. I want to watch a cartoon. I don't want to watch a realistic-looking cartoon. That's why it's a fucking cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) It's ironically all the movies now are so CGI-heavy that they look like cartoons, but all the cartoons are trying to look realistic. Yeah. (laughs) But besides that, I mean, it's, it's a good movie... Uh, if you're a huge Transformers fan and for some reason you haven't seen it, which that would be a weird fucking combination of things, uh, uh, you might not like it. I mean, you might... <laughs> watching watching all the good Transformers die <laughs> in the first ten minutes of the movies, rough. I mean, that's a rough time. <laughs> I've seen it a few times. It's still a little rough. And I think the older I get, the more respect I have for the fact that they don't sugarcoat those deaths at all either. Like, there are no. times where you hear people, like, screaming for help over the radio and then cutting off. <laughs> Was it? Well, we were talking about Scatman Crothers. Like, he gets shot, and then you see his eyes just sort of start uh, fading out, and then, like, smoke comes out of his mouth, and he falls over. Yeah, there's the... Uh, 
the two that are on the the base that's getting eaten, they get into the escape craft, and you think they made it away, and then it's like, nope, we're stuck in the tractor beam, and you just see them like slowly get pulled into Unicron and get destroyed. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, as far as kids' movies about genocide go, this is one of the better ones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, did you make Shire watch it since she's the reason we went cartoons this this week? <laughs> yes, and uh, and she had a really funny reaction whenever I told her. I was like, "We're doing '80s cartoons," and she's like, "Oh, god damn it!" And I was like, "You get what you asked for." <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is too because in the '80s, like nowadays, uh, you know. Men and women are considered to be equal and interchangeable, but in the '80s there was boys' stuff and girls' stuff, and there was no, there was no tiptoeing around it. This was these were boys' cartoons, and so she's probably really upset that you weren't doing like Gem or Care Bears or anything like that. <laughs> well, first of all, Care Bears was totally boy stuff. I love fucking Care Bears. <laughs> one of the movies had the Necronomicon in it. I was gonna say one of them's got the fucking devil in it. Yeah. Fight the devil! <laughs> like, the 80s was fucked up, man. <laughs> yeah, let's take these cuddly, kind little bears and have them fight the devil. Well, I mean, to be fair, how high was the guy that decided teddy bears should shoot lasers of love out of their stomachs while they hold hands? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Buddy who did a lot of acid, I'll tell you that much. Care Bear, stay! <laughs> uh, and, well, uh, and also, Jim and the Holograms was awesome. Uh, I remember watching that one. Yeah, it was good. Um, so, scroll through netbooks. Uh, netbooks. Scrolling through Facebook, I just found an article that says the definitive history of He Man doc- documentary debuts on Netflix this August 24th. Nice. I can remember to add that. Um, well, since you uh, questioned my reviewing skills for Transformers, Noah, why don't you tell us about G.I. Joe the movie? Uh, G.I. Joe the movie is basically like they took half of a season of G.I. Joe and just took the credits out in between the episodes <laughs> and instead interjected one long fucking credit sequence at the beginning of the movie and it's long. It's ridiculous. And it's before the credits even roll. Talk about the, the song with the Cobra or whatever. He's Cobra. Cobra! <laughs> they just made up a better theme song considering the uh, considering it was for a feature length film. They just decided to redo the theme song. I don't know what the problem is with that. <laughs> uh, but basically similar to the previous movie, they were really just trying to usher in a new series of toys yep. by introducing a new series of recruits for the G.I. Joes yep. and a new set of uh, uber villains for Cobra and, and in the process, completely rewriting canon for the entire <laughs> Well, just on the villain side. Just on the villain side, but, but yeah. still. Uh, basically what the entire movie is, is we find out that there is an evil city called Cobra La, in which they were actually the ones who somehow 
got into Dr. Mindbender's head to make him make Serpentor? I didn't... Yeah, they... Yeah. They injected the knowledge he needed to create Serpentor into his brain. Yeah, yeah. some kind of mind control magic science shit. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And we found out they were also responsible for sending Cobra Commander out into the world. To yeah, and that right. Cobra Commander's not human. Yeah. Which, all, all that's fine. Uh, they're cool. They're badass. Uh, they, they fucking beat shit down. <laughs> all the while, the Joes have created a new thing that's supposed to provide free energy to the world, but instead appears to be some kind of remote control device of war. They can take control of weapon systems. Well, like it sends the energy into the desired location through the air, which is the listen. Either way, I'm just saying, if this was going on in real life, nobody would be fucking fooled by that. We'd be like, "You lying motherfuckers! <laughs> Free energy, my ass! Like you're taking control of weapon systems." <laughs> the Joes. I think the Joes might be terrorists. They might be the ones running the coup. Yeah, maybe Cobra was right the whole time. The Joes uh, are clearly the good guys. They're and, a daring, highly trained special mission force. And essentially, the G.I. Joes have this shit won at the beginning of the movie, and if it wasn't for Lieutenant Falcon being the worst fucking douchebag ever, <laughs> he's kind of rapey. Yeah. Very rapey. He's, He's 80s rapey, though. Like, his behavior was completely acceptable at the time. Yeah, but, yeah, but the thing is, 80s rapey's really rapey. Well, it is, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting I'm condoning his it's behavior. The, it's the rapey decade. To be fair, though, in, in, in to, the, to the movie, it does totally backfire on him, because he totally gets honeypotted by the Sethura, or whatever her name is, which is kind of funny. Right. But so basically, his dick and inability to do anything that resembles, uh, like, doing your fucking job, <laughs> basically fucks everybody. Yeah, does he keep like not showing up for whatever like? Yeah, he's supposed to be in the, drills. Are supposed to be doing. Originally, he's supposed to be in drills, and then he's instead trying to impress a girl, and then she gets in and takes pictures of the yeah. base so they can develop a plan to break in. And then he's supposed to be on guard duty, but he's hitting on a different girl. And that's when his uh, inability to sound the alarm allows Cobra, with the assistance of Cobra Law, to break in and free Serpentor. Which we should mention, since this is his personality, he's voiced by Don Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Who this was probably Don Johnson's life at that time. I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go hit on all these girls trying to get fucked. Yeah, yeah. I do like the opening credits really only give uh, credit to like three or four people. And none of them are the actual main fucking characters. No. It's really weird. Even if you go to the IMDb page, it's like they're not listed in what you would think are the main characters and not at the top. Yeah. It's very strange. They're like, they're like this person is Globulus, this person is Lieutenant Falcon, and Sergeant Slaughter is Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter deserves all the respect in the world. Exactly. If you could be Slaughter doesn't deserve them top credits, but fuck Globulus. <laughs> Globulus? Yeah, it's, I think you got to give top billing in order to get Burgess Meredith in that role. Right. <laughs> Do we need Burgess Meredith though? I'm not saying he did a bad job, but I'm I think he does. Like, I would say this: I think he does an amazing job. I I really liked his performance now, but as a kid, I found it legitimately scary. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, so then basically. 
what we end up with is we find out that Cobra Law is in who have organic technology and seem to resent the fact that humans use machines instead yeah. of growing superbugs that can do things for us. So the opposite of the Transformers. Yeah, so the opposite. Uh, they've developed huge spore mushroom rockets that fire devolution spores over the Earth that are going to devolve humankind. Devolve or re-evolve to make them more like the Cobra? It's not 100% clear. Yeah, it turns them into, like, snaky things, right? Well, it turns Cobra Commander into a snaky thing because Cobra Commander is from Cobra Law. I think it was going to turn people into hairy monkey things. Oh, okay. Oh, oh see, that's I was going to turn them all into, like, snakes or plants or something. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. They were going to be all turned into snakes. Some sort of reptilian society. See, I didn't think so. I thought they were saying it would devolve them and like. Well, I mean, it's not like they're what they're trying to do wasn't like complicated or anything. <laughs> Cobra, Cobra Commander, Cobra Commander has some of his best lines ever in this movie. By the way, <laughs> inconscionable. <laughs> I loved it at the beginning when Serpentor is like putting Cobra Commander on trial. And he thinks everybody's going to back him up. And then they're all just bad-mouthing him. And he's like, unsubstantiated lies! And it's like... <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? I wonder if... Did you guys watch Adventure Time? Have you ever guys seen that cartoon? No. I have not. I know of it, but I've never watched it. There's There are characters who are the lemon heads, who are just people that have limits for heads. But they talk very much like uh, Cobra Commander does, where they would just nonsubstantiated. <laughs> and I wonder if that's not where they got it from. Although Cobra Commander gets a sick cape in this movie, I don't think he normally has a sick cape in uh, the TV show. Mm. Well, there were different iterations of Cobra Commander because originally he just had like that hooded mask thing that looked like kind of like a KKK mask. Oh, yeah. Placed it with that faceplate and everything. Yeah, the suspiciously, suspiciously racist mask. Oh, but that's pretty much the entire thing. And then, we, of course, we get the big showdown. Uh, Duke takes a snake to the chest. As you do. As you do. Lieutenant Falcon learns to be a uh, fucking Joe. I guess by being sent to a special training force run by Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. yeah, he gets treated like shit by Sergeant Slaughter for three days, and all of a sudden he understands what it means to be a hero. Well, we also find out that he's Duke's half brother, of course. Yeah, it's really like the only reason he's allowed in the Joes because yeah. his attitude does not warrant it. Uh, and then they go and they fight a bunch of people, including uh, Hunter Enforcer, who is probably one of my favorite GI Joe toys of all time. Mean Nemesis Enforcer? Nemesis Enforcer, thank you. <laughs> it's obviously not that much of a favorite if you don't even know the No, name. the toy was my favorite. I don't give a shit about his name. <laughs> See, this is ironic because I loved the character in the movie. I still think he's pretty cool. But the toy was really disappointing because he was the same size as every other G.I. Joe because they wouldn't build a separate mold for him. But in the movie, he's so much bigger than everybody else. So that was really frustrating. And also his wings were removable, which is another word for lost. So, <laughs> and he had those, but he had those sick arm blades. Yeah, those blades were pretty cool. 
yeah. I liked him, and I actually, even though I didn't much care for the character of Globulus, I liked the toy because he had the bendable snake thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, yep, I had that one. Because you could buy the three-pack that was like Nemesis Enforcer, Globulus, and one of the, like, soldier things. I don't know what they're called. Right. So, so basically, what I'm saying is this: this movie was designed to sell you a bunch of new toys, and we bought them goddamn toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say it's very obvious that they Hasbro did not pump as much money into this movie as they did the Transformers movie. Um, I didn't even see this one in the theater. Did either one of you see this in theater? What year did it come out? Because I think it did. Eighty-seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it did. Transformers, I saw in the theater, definitely, but GI Joe, I did not. I don't recall the first time I saw this. I, this I know is, that I watched this so many times as a kid that it's one of those things where it's just in my brain. I don't remember any specific time sitting down and watching it, but I can quote lines <laughs> any day. I do know the first time I saw it, whenever they introduced the new GI Joe characters, I was like, okay, we've got a cool Vietnam like tunnel rat guy, mm-hmm. and then we've got. Another generic soldier guy. Ooh, new ninja. I like new ninja. And it was like, and basketball player. And I was like, hey, what the fuck? Right? I, I, I don't think I've ever in my whole life saw a toy of the basketball player. Like every other every other character you just described, I owned. <laughs> I did not. I don't even think I know anyone who ever bought that basketball player. I mean, wasn't it very fucking Scooby Doo meets the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like you're like, wait, what what? He's saying a basketball team? I don't understand. Because <laughs> it's so weird because it's okay, the way G.I. Joe works, for the uninitiated, we probably have people listening to this who are younger and didn't play G.I. Joe's. The way it worked is they gather up all the best people from all the every walk of life and bring them in and give them this special military training so they can use the skills that they already had as to fight terrorism. Which is a weird concept, but that's how yeah. you get like some of the guys were, you know, like Lieutenant Falcon and Law were um, actual military guys that just showed uh, some kind of special skill level and got brought into this. Meanwhile, there's like ninjas who were just ninjas and they're like, hey, want to be on our fighting team? You know. And then you have Snowjob who skied really well. Can <laughs> we just say that name one more fucking time? It's. Snowjob. But I mean, so you had all these different characters, but then all of a sudden you're like, well, how good do you have to be at basketball for somebody to go, I bet you could use those skills against the terrorists? <laughs> like, because at least, because like, there's another guy, uh, one of Sergeant Slaughter's guys, he's a football player. But that at least kind of makes sense. Like, at oh. least football players are big and tough. Although, arguably, the basketball player fucks shit up. Oh. When you know he, what, when he's kind of the one in the in the movie that you're like, wait, the basketball player is the one that's really fucking good. Because when he when he does that um, obstacle course at the beginning, and Tunnel Rat just kind of cheats and goes into the sewers and pops out at the end of the course, which is like, okay, that's clever. But the other guy actually, I don't even know his name, random basketball player, actually makes it through the obstacle course that I is think supposed they to be there. His name that, was Jump Shot. Oh, for God's sakes. Figures. <laughs> Doug doesn't even know the name, but gets angry when he finds out about it. <laughs> I could be, I could be wrong. Let me double check that. But I think Jump Shot's the name. That sounds like right. Yeah. If not, then we did a better job than GI Joe did of naming it. 
Yeah, I love it. My wife came home and I was in the middle of watching it. And she's like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "GI Joe the movie." She's like, "Sergeant Slaughter was in GI Joe the movie." Oh no, sorry. His name is Big Lob. Yeah. <laughs> it, should, it should be Jump Shot. That's better. Uh, yeah. But she's like, "Yeah." She was like, "Sergeant Slaughter's in GI Joe," and I took everything I had not to tell her to pack her shit and get out of my house. <laughs> that was, I mean. When I was a kid, anybody who could be WWF champion and be like one of the best GI Joes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Did anybody ever notice that at first they all had really good names, and then as time went on and there was 300 fucking GI Joes, they started getting weird? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely there was that issue. And then the second issue is they just kept running out of ideas, so there's just like another ninja. Okay, another ninja. Well, this one, she only fights good if she's blindfolded, so... Yeah, Jinx is, uh... She's special that way. She's the first... She's the only girl ninja, too, I think. I'm just, I'm just saying, there was a G.I. Joe named Recondo. Get it? Like, Recon. I always yeah. thought... I always thought Beachhead was a weird name for G.I. Joe. Beachhead. I mean, I, I got older and realized, like, you know, what that meant, but as a kid, I'm like, Beachhead? What the fuck does that mean? What's really weird is that it doesn't apply to the character because Beachhead is usually like at the forefront of the battle, and they've got yeah. Beachhead doing the training of the new recruits. In this movie. <laughs> that's true. So that's where the flaw is. <sighs> like the, the hazmat guy. Do you guys remember the hazmat guy? Well, what's his name? No. Airtight. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's that sounds dirtier than they intended. Like real? No, it's, no, no. The worst crank case. Come on. <laughs> but even when you go back to those originals and you're like and they're like you know that they when they had gung ho and they're like oh that's a great name but that's it like you used it you can't go back to it ever again yeah so the next asian guy gets the name like swift kick yep it's like really what's up you you have such good names like like you've got like shipwreck shipwreck good name toll booth toll booth was the name of a gi joe his name was Tollbooth. <laughs> it's not okay. He was in charge of collecting the union dues on behalf of everybody, so... Just... No, he hey, was... if you don't want you and Joe to have a good healthcare plan, then I don't know what your problem is. Tollbooth came with one of the vehicles that was the big... Uh, the I can't remember what it's called. Is it a bridge layer? It's like a big truck that literally drives around the portable bridges that can like dump them out onto a... Uh, river to cross it you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. if you so, bought that toy toll booth was the driver he came so it, so it makes complete so his name makes complete sense is what you're saying <laughs> no of course it, it does he, he was driving a truck he could have had any his his name could have been over the top and it would have been better than Tollbooth. <laughs> oh my god so do we want to talk about how the end of transformers changed the end of this movie because they just decided not to start killing off beloved characters. Yeah, because the original intention was that Duke was going to die, and then I guess Lieutenant Falcon, you know, who was brand new and obviously had a problem with authority, would not show up to drills, but he would take over leading G.I. Joe because that's how it works. Um, but then after the outcry of killing off Optimus Prime, Hasbro's like, well... We can't do that in this movie, even though it's already been created. 
but we can't just have a voiceover of someone go, hey, they just called. Duke's going to be okay. <laughs> that pretty much is it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the G.I. Joe cartoon is notorious for refusing to kill off characters, even like <laughs> no-name characters, because it's a kid's show, and unlike Transformers, they don't want to traumatize children. So yeah. if you if you go back and you watch, it happens in this movie, and if you go back and watch the cartoon, it happens there too, like, a plane blows up, there's always like a cutaway shot of a guy parachuting away from it. <laughs> like, don't worry, nobody ever really got hurt. Yeah, you know, a movie about terrorism and war. They were too afraid to kill oh, people off. Here's the thing. When you get into G.I. Joe, this movie, in uh, specifically, but just the whole thing in general, it's definitely done a lot of damage to our society <laughs> because the toy companies are just looking to make a buck, but they forget that people are so stupid that they think... TV is real. So this whole like doing nothing but glorifying uh, war every single Saturday and violence. And yeah, like they're drilling it into kids' heads that like and not not just war, but like this the way these characters behave, like, oh uh so Lieutenant Falcon is gonna be gonna be misbehaving, fine, we'll drop him into the desert and we'll just have people beat on him until he behaves again. Like that, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this type of behavior is not going to work in the real world, and that's fine if you recognize that this is a cartoon. But unfortunately, the average human being cannot recognize cartoons that are not real. So, yeah, there's there's probably like a lot of people who, on a very subconscious level, don't know they're doing it, but like they supported the Iraq War because they watched this movie too many times, and not just this movie, but a lot of other stuff that was out in the eighties. Yeah, like the Rambo cartoon that. For yeah. some reason, people yes. determined need to be made. Yeah, like the Rambo cartoon, because they're like, after First Blood, which was a movie, like an anti-war movie, then they're like... Anti-war movie about PTSD movie. before they even knew what PTSD was. Yeah, and then, okay, but let's make the rest of the series be really pro-war, to the point where by part four, he's like, fuck being peaceful, you're role in this world is to kill everybody and only after he kills everybody can he feel peaceful internally. <laughs> Although the interesting thing is the very last one goes right back to being anti-war. Does it? I don't know if I agree with that. Ram- Rainbow? Yeah. Because yeah. that's... He pretty much in that movie, he's it's like... pretty much about the horror of Burma. What's going on in Burma? Yeah, but the solution is to have Rambo rip people's throats out with his bare hands and our like the main character is his he finds his inner peace through murdering everyone that's the no, only way he... uh, see I don't I don't interpret it that way it's because he was doing everything he could to stay out of it and he only ends up going in because the people yeah. who were trying to do good ended up getting in deep he, shit no 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 further I I think you've misinterpreted the film it's because Ooh. that hot blonde girl went in that's why he got involved. <laughs> if she'd been less attractive, he would not have followed them in. How dare that sexy, sexy Christian missionary. God damn you, Julie Benz. <sighs> Stop being so sexy and in danger. Now I have to shoot this 50 cal into this group of people. For four straight minutes. Not even into a group of people. Into the dude sitting in right in front of him. I do like the fact that he got he used the saving private Ryan argument to lower the rating cuz that 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 shot of him shooting the 50 cal and seeing people's like arms and shit blowing off they were going to try to give him an X rating 
and he goes, absolutely not. You guys gave Save Private Ryan a R rating because it was realistic violence. This is what a 50 cal does to people, and I want people to have to see it. And yeah, they yeah. lowered the rating. Because those movies are the same thing. <laughs> that's fair. Anyways. Well, I don't see. I'd say so. I, I think that that particular Rambo is a fairly honest war movie. There's nothing glorified about what happens in that movie. It's all gross and visceral and yucky. But which it's, is the way I think war movies should be. It is gross. It is visceral. But it's also designed to make you stand up and cheer when he does it. Well, folks, looks like we're going to have a Rambo month coming up soon. Rambo fight. I'm down. Anyways. Speaking of G.I. Joe. <laughs> Speaking of traumatized, so uh, this, obviously, the G.I. Joe movie is way more tame than the yeah. Transformers movie. Yeah. And besides the huge spurt of blood that comes out when uh, Duke gets stabbed in the chest with a <laughs> stiffened snake staff. <laughs> because that's a thing that happens. Man, that yeah. is royally fucked up, by the way. Uh, I think the most disturbing thing in the whole movie is they expose Cobra Commander to the degeneration spores, yep. and through the rest of the movie, you just hear him going, "I was a man." Oh yeah, I was a man. That's that's the throwback to our David Cronenberg episode from last week. Is watching Cobra Commander gradually transform into a snake, and then the realization that that's how he finds his humanity is by being turned into a snake because he turns into a good guy at the end <laughs> and saves Falcon. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, you turned him into an actual snake and now he's the good guy? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yo, Joe, indeed. <laughs> I fucking love this movie, by the way, in case you guys can't tell. <laughs> I did love that they there's literally shots of them be like, well, we got to go take on Cobra and then they'll all jump in there like vehicles which of course there's a toy for each and every one yeah uh but then as they're driving you just hear a chorus like this weird just voices going yo joe yo joe yo joe yo joe yo joe driving you guys know anyone who owned the aircraft carrier i had a, uh, I had a cousin who owned it who lived in a different city and i used to constantly ask my parents if we could go visit them <laughs> I've I've only seen one in person once. That thing's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's so big. Yeah, it was. It was because like my parents were like ready and willing and able to spoil me when I was a kid. They were they they, like I had the I had the the GI Joe space station, which not very many people had. But then then I'm like, what about the aircraft carrier? And then they saw my cousins. They're like, that is not coming in our house. We don't. We're not getting a bigger house so you can have extra room for this toy to live in like that's not a reasonable thing we will have to build you a loft bed yeah the boat will have to go where your bed is and then they're and i'm sure in their heads they're like he's gonna play with it three times and get bored like everything else i kind of the one thing i liked about the gi joe toys was no matter how rich and spoiled any kid on the planet was there were no kids that had every fucking GI Joe. You thing. could not. Yeah, you could not. There's no way. No, I mean, it it was impossible to own every GI Joe toy. Yeah. Now it, the other it, thing. It's nice that you would go over to your rich, you know, friend's house who's got way more shit than you, but you'd be like, "I've got the Cobra helicopter," and you'd be like, "Oh shit, I don't have the Cobra helicopter," and you'd be like, "Yeah, suck it." <laughs> <laughs> well, that also made it really fun because. 
your game was different every time you got together with friends, right? Because different people would bring different characters. And of course, you had to make the character act like they did on the show, so therefore that would change the way the battle went every time. My my fondest memory of childhood, and I've, I've said this before many a times, is whenever I was little, when my parents would set up the Christmas tree at Christmas time, and they would get all the branches trimmed up, I would lay on my belly and scoot underneath the branches into the Christmas tree and set up, and I would take my mom's uh, string from her sewing kit and have my G.I. Joes in the tree, playing like jungle warfare and branches. Makes total sense to me. <laughs> it was it, it is it is one of the happiest memories I have. There there is nothing better than that memory. This is how much of a G.I. Joe nerd I was. I once uh, I broke a, a G.I. Joe and so my dad's like went and got me a screwdriver and he's like, Look, we can take it apart and put it back together and he's showing me how it works and everything and my little brain went off. So I started just disassembling all my G.I. Joe's so I could make my own characters. <laughs> or, or I could like, <laughs> like so I'd have all my like all these unique GI Joes that nobody else had, or I could just like, I could sometimes even just like for the purposes of a, a particular game, I could change them. And then I decided to start my own GI Joe wrestling uh, league. So I had my grandfather build me a little wrestling ring that fit GI Joes, and I started constantly asking. There was one character that was like shirtless for some reason. <laughs> so I kept constantly asking for more of that guy so that I could build more guys that look like wrestlers by having them have no you, shirt on. You, you know your your family thought you were so gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, he wants the shirtless guy again. <laughs> I need five more of these shirtless guys. Oh, okay, son. <laughs> Did you guys ever have to do the thing where you wore out one of their weird abdominal rubber band things? And yeah, make an actual rubber band and just like twist it up a bunch and jam it in there. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was still never worked as well, unfortunately. Yeah, they would get all floppy. Yeah. Well, I would always. Yeah, I, would, I was on. That was my dream as a kid was to find just the right like little rubber band to, to use as a replacement. I never found one. But once yeah. I had this, once I had my own screwdriver set, I would just take a GI Joe I didn't like as much, open it up, take the rubber band out of that, put it in the one I still liked. I think the worst thing is, is everybody was guilty of the same thing. You would wear out that rubber band because who didn't like to twist them up and then have them like hurricane punch somebody? Of course, yeah. GI <laughs> Joes were the best toy ever, simply because they had the most like maneuverability. They could do all the things that the guys in the cartoon did. Mm. And that's what made them great. Which is weird because they're even more articulated now than they used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, like they some toys have like uh, actually like wrist and uh, ankle joints now. Okay. So even their hands and like their feet can move. Yeah. Dope. Um. So I suppose I should tell my GI Joe story of shame. <laughs> I guess. So anybody have any like the mail the mail order ones? Yeah. Like, uh, specifically, there was, like, the Refrigerator Perry figure. Okay, um, I, never, I never had that one, but I remember that yeah. it existed. Yeah, apparently it was, like, Sergeant Slaughter um, and... I know I had Sergeant Slaughter. William the Refrigerator Perry were, like, the only two, like, non... Sort of, like, uh, were, like, the only real people to get, like, a real G.I. Joe figure. 
Um, I think Roddy Roddy Piper actually got one a couple years ago, but that doesn't count because there was rumors back in the '80s that there was going to be a Rocky GI Joe, and then I remember they came out where there was there was a character I can't remember his name. It's like a Cobra guy that had boxing gloves on that you could actually remove, and he had but he was wearing a mask, and so like me and all my friends like had the conspiracy theory that that was supposed to be Rocky, and then they couldn't get it, so they just built a head with a mask on it. That's a, that sounds like a jailish thing to do. Because we were like, like even me, we were like, I guess it's expensive to buy the rights to Rocky. Like we didn't understand how any of that works. So. <laughs> uh, well, my mom really could care less about the shit that I was into. Fair so enough. We go to the store and I'd start whining for a toy, and she'd be like, "Yeah, as long as just shut up and I'll buy you a GI Joe." But the actual act of like, well, there's this one you can only get through mail order, so we have to do this, this, and this. It's like, oh, that's that's way too much work. We're not, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I was always jealous of the kids who got all the mail order ones because that's the only way you can get them. And since I'm a horrible human being, when I was like in third grade, some kid had made some diorama for school. And the way our school was set up, or specifically our classrooms are set up in pods. So like in different different sections of the building. Uh, so there'd be like this giant open space in the middle and then around it would be different classrooms. So you come out of there, then you go down the hallway and there'd be like another pod. But anyway, he, he had this diorama like set up like outside of the classroom with the pod showing off whatever nonsense that we were learning that, that time. And he uses G.I. Joe figures for the diorama, one of them being the William the Refrigerator Perry figure that you can only get through mail order. So I, I was, know where this is going. So I was in third grade, and I'm just like, man, I really want that Refrigerator Perry figure. So I asked if I could use the bathroom, and I went out, and I made sure nobody was looking, and I totally yoinked that William Refrigerator Perry figure <laughs> off that diorama and threw it in my pocket. And then later that day, when like when the bell rang and we were all getting ready to go home, uh, I was walking in my classroom and I saw that kid over by his diorama and he was crying and he's like, "Someone stole my William Refrigerator Perry figure," and like, you know, getting all upset about it. And I was like, "Well, I've gone too far. I just took it and I just left." <laughs> well, there's Never nothing you can do at that point. There's no nope. way to fix that situation. Nope. nope. So I just went home and enjoyed playing. <laughs> William the Refrigerator Perry for the next couple of years. <laughs> You're a monster. I am. I feel terrible about it now. That's pretty horrible. <laughs> Couldn't help it, man. My mom would not mail order that shift for me. <sighs> what a horrible parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's the bad one. <laughs> I'm just like, you, you broke, did this. You broke the Joe code. That's pretty bad. Um, I'm really, like, I'm really upset with you right now because I can only imagine how I would have felt as a kid if uh, somebody stole, especially if it was a mail order one. But any GI Joe. Yeah, I'm assuming his parents were rich enough; they just got him another one. So. That's a bold assumption. <laughs> I know. I, it's the only way I can sleep at night. As long as I, in my mind, he went home and he's like, somebody stole it, and like his dad's like yelling at him for putting himself in a position to be stolen. Yeah. This is they were rich, but it's because his dad was like one of those evil banker guys. <laughs> it's like, well, why did you take it to school? I told you not to take it to school. It was part of my diorama. I don't want to hear about dioramas. 
<laughs> he probably got a spanking that night. It was all my fault. He's, the guy's like in jail now because his entire childhood was ruined and it started a downward spiral. <laughs> He's like, it all started when someone stole my G.I. Joe. Oh my god. I could have been I could have been a doctor, but instead I'm a meth addict. <laughs> On a slightly more pleasant note, I used to go stay at my friend's house, and we would, uh, I would always get my parents to give me money and say we were going to go out and buy, like, hot dogs for lunch or something. Mm-hmm. And every time, we would just walk to the store near his house and buy a G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time, it was like, because they were, like, three ninety nine or something. They were, like, affordable enough that your parents would go, yeah, whatever, I'll give you the $5. And then you could get one. And then they'd be like, well, what'd you do for lunch? And I don't know, I played with my G.I. Joe. <laughs> That's, that's clever. I wish I was that clever. I assume my parents knew what was coming after the first time and just were fine with it. I don't know that to this day. Like, they've never said they Where'd were you get that new G.I. Joe? Well, I traded a hot dog for it. <laughs> I made I made a life decision. This was more important to me in the moment. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, my mom never asked me where I got my new toys from, so she obviously didn't care that much. Well, she probably just didn't notice if it was only one G.I. Joe. I mean, she probably didn't look close enough to notice that it was a mail order. Yeah, she had a refrigerator idea. character. She's probably like, eh, I don't know. I probably bought that for him at some point. I have no idea. He just brings like a package to me, and I go, okay, and just throw it in the cart and don't even look at it. Did you guys see in another disturbing, uh, Midnight Drive-In coincidence. The day after we announced that we were reviewing these two movies, they announced that they were doing a special showing of Transformers in theaters. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes, which I'm curious I may end up attending, just because I haven't been able to see it in the theater since I was seven. Hey, do you guys remember when we were supposed to talk about G.I. Joe the movie, and we never really did? Yeah. It was okay. <laughs> it is It is very much a kid's movie. It's For sure. But it, it's super fun to watch. Well, like I said, besides besides the one bit of blood and the introduction of the new characters, it's pretty much just uh, the regular cartoon. I mean, they didn't do anything new or... Well, the, yeah, the introduction of Cobra Law is the big new part. Yeah. yeah. I did think they did a good job of integrating the new characters. Like, you have the cutaway scenes to Beachhead training the new recruits, and then you have the cutaway scenes to Falcon at uh, being trained by Sergeant Slaughter. And then they give them all their own thing to do and then bring them all in for that final fight at the end. I thought they did that very well, considering this is a kid's show, and they could have done it in a, like, a much cheesier way. There's a little too much of like looking into the camera and telling you the name of the character and then telling you what their special <laughs> skill is. <laughs> so I did like that the, the, they called Sergeant Slaughter's training area the Slaughterhouse. <laughs> like that's, a, that's a dark name to throw into your <laughs> thing. Hey man, you don't mess with Sergeant Slaughter. And I do love the fact that there's basically no difference between Sergeant Slaughter the wrestler and Sergeant Slaughter the G.I. Joe version of the wrestler. No, he even drops an elbow on Nemesis Enforcer in the final fight. He just gives him the flying elbow and you're like, good. Glad you learned that. The only difference really being is that the the cartoon character is in much better shape than the actual Sergeant Slaughter. (laughs) He could have at least done a Cobra clutch. He didn't do that at all. He should have. Yeah, that would have been cool. a little disappointing. <laughs> uh, it would have been awesome if Cobra brought out the Iron Sheik to fight back. Oh, he could have got his own figure. Oh, that would have been amazing. 
Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, we do have feedback this week. What? Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so our friend Trevor says, Hey, gang, since you were complaining about lack of feedback, I figured I'd write in this week. <laughs> Which is how we have to get feedback on the show. We just complain about it until someone's like, fine. Sweet, sweet guilt feedback. I <laughs> uh, really enjoyed this week's David Cronenberg episode. Shivers was my first Cronenberg film, and I think it's still my favorite, though I have yet to see Rabbit. Uh, I also love the fact that its release caused a bunch of controversy on account of it being partially funded by taxpayer dollars, and its merits ended up being debated in Canada's parliament. Just the idea of a bunch of conservative politicians from the 1970s talking about shivers amuses me. Yeah. There's actually a great clip of, like, Cronenberg, like, there going, actually, you didn't fund this because we paid back all our loans. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's like he, it's like the classic thing where they're like, I can't believe you used taxpayer dollars to make this. Like, I didn't. You just, you just loaned me the money and I paid it back. So, I sit. The weird thing is, from what I can see, is conservative Canadians in are basically moderate liberals in America. Oh, yeah. See, Americans don't understand this necessarily, but you guys don't have a left wing and a right wing. You think you do, but really you have a right wing and an extreme right wing, and that's it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> And if you could see like what qualifies as conservative in the rest of the world, I think you'd be a little bit surprised. Uh, he does say Canada does tend to be a little bit more lenient as far as what you can have in a movie without getting an R rating. But I guess Shivers was a bit much for some people in the 70s. Also, the voices is awesome, though I can't understand why it's tough to market. Really hard to capture the vibe of that movie on a poster or in a two-minute trailer. I do agree with Noah that the end credit scene is jarring after the ending, but I love the sequence, so I don't mind that it's jarring. That's it. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, thank you, Trevor, for writing it in. Not like all yeah. our other stupid listeners who don't write it. Yeah. yeah, that we definitely didn't have to guilt trip into writing into the show. And I checked the spam filter, so no email from Eric. Okay. Good to know. I've stopped checking the email, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a set of my phone where all of my email just comes into like one onto one screen. Okay. So then I would I'm just like, oh, shivers. This guy's obviously wrote in about the show. Did uh, did either of you guys check out the voices? No, I didn't have time this week. No. It didn't feel right watching it surrounded by these movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next week, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, so anybody watch anything since last week? I did. What'd you watch, Noah? Uh, well, first of all, I did watch Castle Rock. Yeah? I'm caught up to everything except for the episode that came out this Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Mm -hmm. I wish uh, I wish it'd give a little more. I feel like they're being too fucking mysterious. And I get real fucking bored with mysteries. <laughs> like... I don't care. I don't care about the mystery. Show me something cool. You know what I mean? 
Oh, come on. The the priest with the bandage on his head is roaming around that chick's house? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I, I just want I want more stuff. I want some... Uh, like, because it starts real fucking strong. The, the, cliff, the cliff scene. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah, that's it's a fucking fucked up. start. And you're like, yeah! And then you don't really get a lot more of that. Okay, because I've only seen the first episode now. Mm -hmm. I, I was pretty impressed. So you're saying it slows down a lot after that? Because it's not a, a yeah, fast pace. It doesn't exactly first. slow down. I just feel like you don't get those big, jarring moments. Like because it's, I feel like it becomes less horror-y and more mystery. Which I, don't, which I don't disagree with, but I'm enjoying. So, yeah. Like I said, I, I like it. I'm going to keep watching it. Uh, I, then I caught all the way up on Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, which I have not watched, but kind of wanted to. Yeah, which originally I was not going to watch because I thought it looked a little bit too much like teen drama and not enough like superhero show. Uh, pl pleasantly, for the fact that it's on fucking freeform, which that was the other thing I was like, this is gonna be like a fucking Disney kids show with superheroes in it. Absolutely not. It what? deals with a whole lot of really really adult stuff. Yeah, Freeform did a show called Dead of Summer that I actually really liked. It was a slasher TV show. Yeah, I was, I was pretty fucking jarred by it because I was not expecting it to deal with like alcoholism and drug abuse and rape and like I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you're coming, you're coming in strong, Freeform. Uh, I do, I do feel like the first season so far is like. Uh, like a really slowly told origin, which is kind of getting fucking annoying. Like, uh, I just want him to get to superhero-y stuff. No, it is not like his TV shows to take their time. It's like, just do cool things. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, it, it just has to do with, like, certain things. You already know they're going to be superheroes. So the whole hem-hawing about will they or won't they become superheroes is fucking stupid because everyone knows they will. That's what the fuck the show is. Like, if they weren't going to become superheroes, uh, they wouldn't be a fucking show. That was part of the MTV generation that just needs it spelled out to them right away. Come on. You know, I'm saying it is spelled out right away. There's What I'm saying is after you spell it out, you don't go, ooh, mystery. <laughs> Ooh, they have powers. What kind of powers do you think they have? Well, we've read the fucking comic books. We know what kind of powers they have. Get on with it. But maybe they people haven't read the comic books. You don't know, no. Probably not. And and probably actually, as far as comic books go, there's probably a whole lot less people that have fucking have any idea who Cloak and Dagger are, because they were kind of a '90s thing. Mm. In pretty much only a '90s thing, I don't even know if they're still fucking around. Uh, they're still around, but I'm not. I don't know what they're doing. Or at least when I was still reading comics, they were still around. But it's—I I would say the show's interesting, not completely predictable. Uh, each episode is kind of framed in interesting ways. I kind of so I dig it. I'll keep watching it until they mess it up or get better. Uh, and then I watched uh, the Netflix movie How How It Ends. 
yeah. with Forrest Whitaker and other people. That looks really good. I was not too impressed with it. So, it's an apocalypse movie where you don't get much apocalypse, and pretty much the entire movie is Forrest Whitaker doing really good acting while everybody else just kind of fucking roams around. Uh, the end of the movie doesn't uh, jive with the first three quarters of the movie, which is a little weird, and then the ending is just like nothing. There is no ending, so I don't I don't exactly understand what the fucking you know, the point of any of it was. Well, it looks like it's more of a character drama than a... I think it is a character drama, but movie. in order for it to be a character drama, you have to have significant character growth, and you don't. Okay. Like, other than the fact that the main character might be slightly more ruthless and ready to survive by the end of the movie, but the implications at the end of the movie is that none of that matters and that everybody's fucked anyway. So it's <laughs> all right. Because it sounds it, like a happy ending. Like it starts with something happened. We don't know what it is, and then the rest of the movie is everything's gone to shit, and we don't know why. And then you get to the very end of the movie, and they're like, "Okay, well, we kind of know what it is, but we don't know what caused it. We don't know if it's still happening." And then all of a sudden. It is still happening. Ah, run away. End of movie. Like, that's the entire fucking movie. You should have watched Cargo instead. I don't know. Pro- probably. The Cargo is really good. Yeah. And I would almost say the movie's, the movie's worth a watch just because it's got uh, a whole bunch of Forrest Whitaker in it. Forrest Whitaker's awesome. But I think that is the highlight of the entire fucking movie. So if you can watch an entire movie based on the fact that Forrest Whitaker's a good actor, <laughs> then you should watch it. Otherwise, watch something else. Kind of fucking boring. <laughs> Damn. That was not having it this week. Yeah. I was just in a bad mood all around. Well, with your head, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, especially with the last few weeks where I haven't had a lot of time to get a whole lot of uh, movie devouring in like I normally like to have, uh, having the one movie that I did have time to watch not be very fucking good is infuriating. Fair enough, I suppose. And I'm sure people will disagree with me and say that there's something fucking great about it. I just don't, I don't see it. Well, it sounds like it's kind of an opinion thing. Like if some people are going to enjoy just watching an hour and a half of good acting or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably. Uh, did you watch anything else? Uh, no, that was it. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, not a lot. I finally finished up Luke Cage. Which is yeah. good, because I've been trying to get that done for a while. Um, I know we've talked about it a lot over the last few weeks. I wasn't 100% happy with the ending, mostly because it's not going in the direction I wanted it to go. We had sort of agreed that I wanted it to be... We, I think Noah and I both said we wanted it to be kind of a lead into a Heroes for Hire show, and it does not go that way, I don't think. Um, specifically disappointing because they do have... They bring Danny Rand in for a while. He plays a little part in the show, and there's this great scene that ends like 
one of the episodes where the, like Danny and Luke are just sitting at a table talking and you start to see that relationship develop between them. And I thought it was really cool. I'm like, okay, good. So he's going to be around in the next couple episodes and then they can do their show together. And they kind of go in a different direction from that. I won't spoil it. You haven't seen it, right, Brad? No, I'm not there yet. So I won't spoil the direction they go in because it's, I think it's really unexpected based on the first season of Luke Cage and the first three quarters of this season. I think it's, it's kind of a big twist. Um, but yeah, not bad, just not what I was hoping for. So I'm still looking forward to a season three because I, I do kind of dig Luke Cage. Like I knew nothing about him going into that first season, and I've really enjoyed what they've done in the show. So I have no idea if it's comic accurate. I have no idea if it's, you know, air quotes correct. I just think it's cool. Like I said, for the for the most part, it is the only weird thing that they transposed is in the comic book. You know, in the show, he's very much he doesn't want to do superhero stuff for money, and everybody else keeps telling him he has to. And in the comics, it's the exact opposite. Like Luke Cage wants his goddamn money. Like and that's that's pretty much. It. And I understand why they didn't do it in the show because the original reason for it was racist. Okay. You know, it was that I'm going to get my paper son kind of situation, which is not okay. Right. But it's it's evolved over time into something more comedic. I don't know if you did you ever watch uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes? The really, really good uh, Marvel cartoon series that got canceled way before it should have. Yeah. Did you Did you watch the animated X Men show back in the day? In like the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. So I, I felt like it was a good companion piece to that, like a modern version, okay. where each episode stands on its own, but there is like this overarching story that's sort of bleeding through it all. And of yeah, course it's, told. It's, car- it's cartoony enough for kids, but adult enough for adults. And, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, but there's there's an episode that's actually titled New Avengers, where uh, Kang the Conqueror does some shenanigans, and the Avengers get knocked out, and they have to bring in the new Avengers, which is like Spider-Man, Luke Cage, Wolverine, The Thing, and a couple other people. And at the end, there's this really funny joke where through the whole episode, Luke Cage has been talking about, I better get paid for this. And at the end, Captain America and uh, Iron Man are talking, and Captain America goes, I think Luke Cage is going to send you a bill for this. And and Tony Stark goes, I already got it. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. I didn't really know much about Luke Cage either until um, they actually did the new Avengers in the comic books where they basically just got rid of pretty much the old guard and brought in when Bendis took over, it brought in like sort of the new status quo. Um, And then he was one of the mainstays on the team, which is really how I sort of got more into him. But I mean, I kind of knew his history and knew all that stuff but never really read a whole lot of him until sort of the new updated version of Luke Cage yeah, yeah. there's a there's an Elseworlds comic that's about uh, Dr. Doom hires him to I can't remember what it is like uh, Elseworlds is DC you son of a bitch well you know what I mean multi-factor <laughs> shit is what I'm talking about yeah but uh where Dr. Doom hires him to bodyguard him or something like that while he's committing a crime 
and Luke Cage agrees to it. And then at the end, Dr. Doom stiffs him on the tab, and it's not a lot of money. It's like $200 or $500 or something like that that he agreed to pay him. And the rest of the comic book is Luke Cage goes on a one-man mission to get his fucking $200. <laughs> and he ends up flying to, like, Latveria, fighting his way through the army of Doombots, and then literally bitch-slapping the shit out of Dr. Doom for about five pages. <laughs> over over $200. It's really funny. He basically takes down one of the worst supervillains ever because he stiffed him on a bill. <laughs> He's like, where's my money, man? Give me my money. That's funny. I actually watched like a a YouTube video where they recounted that comic. Oh yeah, <laughs> where they were going through making fun of it, like, showing like panels and stuff. Like, I remember making, I remember laughing at it, thinking maybe I'll read that one day, but no, I'm never gonna. It's it's pretty good. I'm not usually a huge fan of the What If comic series, but that's a really good one. <laughs> Which I'd heard they were bringing that back for a little bit. They should. I mean, they're fun. Yeah, I, I don't know. God, I'm not going to read comics, so I shouldn't say whether they should or shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of comics, but I don't get into them as much as I would like to. Yeah, it's like my friend that I work with. I was like, oh, well, have you ever read? He's like, I don't really read, so no. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Did you watch anything else? Uh, let's see. I rewatched Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we talked about that when it came out. Yeah. So no, there's not much else to say. They didn't change the movie. Before there's we one thing to say. That's something you would say. That's not something I would say, though. <laughs> I will say when with these Marvel movies, um, I find some of the ones that are more comedic, when you watch them a second time, jokes just aren't as funny the second time you hear them most of the time right so I think it's if when they lean heavily on that I find sometimes it's like okay well it's easier to rewatch the ones that are a little more dramatic that drama seems to hold up better but that doesn't mean this wasn't still fun to rewatch so yeah I just got um, uh, Avengers Infinity War just came out on digital a couple days ago yeah so I was looking at all the special features yesterday they had a uh, director's roundtable with most of the main directors, um, like the Russo brothers and James Gunn, of course, because obviously this was all put together before he got fired a couple weeks ago. Uh, Josh Sweden was there. Uh, John Favreau. Uh, who else? Oh, Peyton Reed, who did the Ant-Man movies. So this is basically just them sitting around a table talking about how much they love each other's movies. Yeah. But they were talking about definitely like the, how crazy it is the tone shifts between all the movies. And they were talking a lot about like how... I think John Favreau says that like even though it was like two or three movies in, he felt like Winter Soldier was really the one where they, they sort of locked in who the character of Captain America was. And I'm just like, man... I want to go back and watch Winter Soldier. I haven't watched that in a while. Yeah, I think so the Russo Brother movies are the best ones. I, I, think. I, I think I've watched Winter Soldier more than any other Marvel movie. It's mm. fucking amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so their whole discussion was how much they like each other's movies, and it just made me like, oh, I need to go back and watch Thor Ragnarok. Oh, I need to watch Winter Soldier again. That's the other problem that Marvel's going to have is trying to keep these movies in circulation. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many of them. Like, yeah. I do hope one day there's like a box set of like, you know, giant 30 fucking movies or something. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I heavily regret not keeping up buying them on Blu-ray as they came out. Because now it feels overwhelming. Like, I'll never catch back up. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I thought about buying them all. I think it was must have been Infinity War that I was getting ready for. Like, and I was like going to start like giving myself like a full year of like, I'll watch like two movies a month. So then I'm all caught up by the time we get there. And even then it was like, when you start looking at the cost and the sheer number of movies you got to buy and the fact that because they're Disney products, the prices are jacked up and you're mm-hmm. just like, Ugh, I don't know. So like if they were, yeah. if they were $20 a Blu-ray, I'd probably have started buying them all. And I, once I started, there's no way I would have stopped. Yeah. But at, at 30 bucks, it's a little different. Yeah, I pretty much started buying them like when they first started. And I have them all in one form or another because now I've gone to pretty much strictly digital for them. Yeah. Because now on Voodoo, you get all the special features along with it. So I'm like, well, what's the point of buying the Blu ray if I have everything I need on Voodoo? Until. Walmart decides they don't want to do voodoo anymore and gets rid of it. But, yeah. Yeah, I got all of them. And I was going to try to do that. Watch them all before Infinity War. And I think we got through like three movies and then just never finished. A lot of damn movies. It's a lot of movies. Yeah. It will be deep. Like, eventually they'll have to wrap this up. That'll, I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe it's another 10 years, but it'll be neat to see how far they go and one day it's all done to sit down and watch start to finish. I honestly don't think so. I think that the worst case scenario is that Marvel goes all James Bond and we end up getting one Marvel movie every two or three years, which that would suck. But I think that's the worst thing that happens. I don't think there's any remote end to them making comic movies ever. I think there will always be comic book movies. I think these, the MCU as we know it will eventually have to wrap up. Yeah. It'll, it'll eventually have to have to come to an end. I don't know when that's going to be. It's not anytime soon. Well, I mean, when they hit the West Coast Avengers... Yeah, that might be the problem. Then we'll know they're probably out of ideas. Well, I mean, with the Fox merger looking like it's official, mm-hmm. that changes everything. So yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say maybe they're running thin on stuff, and then they're like, "We've got Fantastic Four and X Men." We're like, "Nope, uh, son of a bitch." Got it all. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how they incorporate that stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard they're probably going to just sort of reboot everything, and I hope. Hope Deadpool is the only carryover because that's easily the character that you could make that switch with and just have them call it out on screen and then everybody's fine with it. Yeah. I I think so the way I, the way I think they should do it, I think it's hard reboot on everything except Deadpool. Just let Deadpool keep being Deadpool because he's not really part of any other universe. Like Mm. nothing that happens in a Deadpool movie impacts the plot lines from other films, right? Like, so just let him keep doing his own standalone thing. 
you can have him make jokes about the, the MCU, or you can even have cameos from MCU characters if you wanted. Sure, whatever. But I wouldn't bring him in. I wouldn't want to see him in an Avengers movie. I just don't think it would fit. Just no. let him do his own thing. And as far as the X-Men, you got to reboot it. The only thing is, how do you bring those characters into the existing world? Which I've heard a couple of different theories, some of which are better than others. Yeah, I've heard there's some comic story going on now, which I don't have any idea what it is. I kind of wish they could easily adapt to make to make it so the mutants could show up in the MCU. But uh. well, I've heard the, the one I've heard that is apparently straight from some of the Ultimate comics is that yeah. mutations started with other countries trying to replicate the super soldier formula, mm. um, and that that would basically kick. They could. The theory I heard is like, and I don't know how much this is straight from the comics, would be you kill off Captain America and that sparks the other countries saying, hey, we could pull that off too. And that's where the mutations then kick off and you would have several of the main characters kind of spring up right away and then others could just spring up as that those mutations spread through society. See, I'd hope they would just do a multiverse thing and X-Men are in a separate universe from everything else but if they need them to interact they can always do some interdimensional shenanigans yeah i don't disagree with that but i just don't think it's likely to happen i think they're gonna bring them into the mcu proper at some point so it's, it's more about like okay we we know they're gonna do that so just how hopefully they do it well mm-hmm. there's also an interesting theory on the internet that i, I should have i should probably find out who actually came up with it and give them credit but uh the uh, apparently like you could use what's going on with the Ant-Man movie and have that so he's he's going to be traveling through time and they've already indicated in that movie that the quantum energy from the quantum realm can cause changes in people so if you have him bouncing around through time releasing quantum energy at different intervals it could and at different locations he could then be creating a series of mutants, which then if he's traveling back in time and creating a, a certain mutant at a certain time, that could then spread throughout society. So when he gets back into current time, all those mutants have just existed and everybody else just thinks it's normal except him kind of thing. I mean, another option is they could just do the part of the comic books where people aren't really aware that mutants exist yet and Xavier and them are doing their best to keep that shit under wraps. Yeah, it seems like it'd be hard in a world where, like, they know about Asgard and they know about, you know, everything else that's going on, but mutants haven't been noticed yet. Like, how would Nick Fury not have picked up on that? Well, who who would say that Nick Fury and them wouldn't know? But if Xavier is keeping it contained, S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't give a shit about it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Don't know. It's going to be a tough one, but I mean, they seem to have a good track record so far of having stuff make sense. So, yeah, I was going to say my my whole thing with them keeping them separate is I think they might have learned a very valuable lesson with trying to bring the fucking Inhumans in because Inhumans are basically just mutants and they fucking failed. It's the one time Marvel fucking failed at something. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I do like I do think that yeah. They they know what they're doing. Give them credit for it. They they'll figure it out. And uh, 
even if it's not perfect, I bet you it's pretty good. So it, it would even be pretty sweet if they decide they want to keep rated R Deadpool, and they decide that the way to keep rated R Deadpool is to have them in separate movie universes and do all the X Men stuff as like more adult stuff than the rest of the MCU is. Yeah, that's yeah. not gonna happen either. But again, it's not that it's not a bad idea. It's just they're they're gonna make they're gonna they're gonna want big X Men movies that they can then spin off and have their big solo characters. That's what they've always wanted. That's what everybody's always wanted who's had access to those characters. And yeah, Disney exactly. has a track record of doing that correctly. So. I, I was going to say the issue is is that X Men doesn't have a whole lot of successful solo characters other than Wolverine. Like, yeah, nobody's but... nobody's going to watch the Hank McCoy movie. That's not really? going to happen. Like, <laughs> would anybody have watched the Ant Man movie ten years ago though? Me. To you, right? Because <laughs> Ant Man's awesome. Well, yeah, but but, but they you like, they weren't going to make Beast is cool. I wouldn't want to just see a Beast movie. Not until they introduced that cool Beast character in one of the other movies, and you go, "Hey, that's a pretty neat take on the character." And then I'm just something. saying, he is a neat take. Like Beast is a cool character. I just don't see him as like the X Men have a very hard time working as standalone characters because of the the nature of the characters. Like, they don't function well by themselves. Well, I, I think you're... I, I just think that they've done a good job of convincing people that they want to see characters that they didn't want to see. And just because you don't go see the Hank McCoy movie doesn't mean nobody else will. Well, I will say they do find... They have found a pretty good organic way of working characters in. So hopefully yeah. they'll continue. Besides the Inhumans, as... Uh, Inhumans no, was a failure. I... I went to the theater and saw that. It's an abysmal failure. Yeah, it was terrible. I didn't even bother watching it. Yeah, like I went to the theaters and saw it thinking, okay, well, it's not going to be a good big Marvel movie, but it's going to be something. And it, yeah, it was something. It was called a waste of my time. Very upsetting. I'm still mad about that. And I love the fact that Marvel just shrugged it off too. They just kind of like swept it under the rug. They were like, "Oops, yeah. nope," like, and well, just kept moving, and nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Ah, oh, that obviously didn't work. Fuck it, keep on moving." Well, I think it'd be yeah, it'd be a lot harder if they'd made two seasons of it and then it became a failure mm. because they basically got two episodes out and gave up. I think that it was small enough that they could just forget about it. Because they never said it didn't happen, so in theory, if they ever go back to the moon in some other Marvel movie, the Inhumans might still be there. I was going to say, by the way, when you guys watch uh, The Voices, which you still should, that the way that movie's done, that's the way I want them to do a uh, Moon Knight movie, where because he's crazy like half of the movie is shown from his perspective of what he yeah. thinks the world's like because I think that would be awesome especially if you had a good director that could do smash cuts between you know these big flowy like superhero fights that are in his head versus like real life where he's just pummeling the ever living shit out of somebody <laughs> that does sound like a good idea hmm. yeah I'd be done uh, alright did you watch anything else um, check the quick list here. Oh, I finally got around to watching John Wick Chapter Two. Yeah, which I was super happy with. Yeah. Um, 
because it was uh, it was all the violence and fun fighting that I was expecting, but it actually had like a little bit more of a storyline to it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not just it, it's not just like well, people killed my dog again, so I'm gonna kill no. people again. And it, I like that it's organically building on the first one, despite the. It, it is ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's actually like the, the movie reminds me of a Friday the 13th sequel. It picks up like right where the other movie left off. It kind of puts like the opening scene of this movie is almost like it could have been an added final scene on the last movie. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, good. That story is done with. I'm glad. And like, so the, in this case, he's like, he's clearly going to retire again. <laughs> and he just, he literally like, reburies all his guns and stuff back in the hole that he dug him out of in the first movie and like later that night he gets dragged back into life again and I thought that was just kind of fun was, uh, and you know it, it made enough sense I like that they expanded the universe in it um, even though it's like it's ridiculous if you think about it or say it out loud it's like oh yeah that hotel from the first one where you could go and you wouldn't get killed it turns out that's actually a chain of hotels every major city has one <laughs> It's like, well, that's a bit ridiculous, but it opens up for a bunch of fun sequels in a bunch of different places. Um, and, you know, it's, again, it's re- you're really watching it for the fighting and the visual style of yeah. it, and all that really, really worked well. Yeah, Some of the locations in this one are amazing. Yeah, some of like... like the underground tunnels or whatever, where the yeah. people were having like a rave or something, and yeah. Yeah, it was cool because like yeah. So if people haven't seen it, it's like they're in Europe, and it's like the old like ruins and stuff. But they've got them set up as nightclubs, which is a real thing that happens in many parts of the world. <laughs> and then you have that scene, but then you've got John Wick doing his thing, shooting everybody, and having these long drawn out fist fights. Mm-hmm. I really liked. There's a, a a character in it. So, like the basic plot line involves John Wick getting dragged back into the life and being forced to do one last hit. But he knows damn well that if he does that hit, it's going to lead to bad consequences. So he does the hit. Immediately, a hit is put out on him. Every other hitman in the world is now looking for him. Yada, yada, yada. He has to kill, I don't know, 50 people throughout the course of the movie or something. <laughs> but on his way, like, literally, he runs into a guy he knows. They find it. They realize they're on opposite sides on this issue and start to fight. But they're... Like they're an even match for each other throughout the whole movie, and I really liked that element of it because every time they'd meet up, they'd 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 fist fight for a while. They'd always draw their guns and find themselves on opposite sides of something. At one point, it's cars, and at another point, it's like a water fountain where they're each on one side shooting back and forth at each other. But it, it just it just goes on and on like that throughout the whole movie, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It has uh, it has Lawrence Fishburne in it too, so it ties it into our previous discussion. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Matrix reunion too. Yeah, I liked it. It's a uh, the Lawrence Fishburne stuff was again. It's even more ridiculous if uh, minor spoiler, but he plays the leader of like a underground homeless like <laughs> mafia or of some sort. So like they're yeah. all out there like acting like they're regular homeless people, but it turns out they're part of this like I don't even know what you call it like organized club. And, they're not really that poor when when push comes to shove it's funny they go back to their like homes and they're all in these like luxurious places but yeah super fun movie to watch great visuals there's like it's it's weird it's like kind of like dark almost like watching the crow like those style of visuals Mm -hmm. but i i enjoyed it a lot 
Yeah. I felt, I felt like the fight scenes in the second one weren't as, um, like, effective. I found some of them were. Like, there's definitely, like, that first one had those moments where it's just, like, you you really felt the impact of some of the hits. Specifically the one where they're in, like, the nightclub and he falls from the second floor down to the first one. And he just hits the ground and it just, like, you feel it. The way they, the way they shot it and the sound effect and everything all worked together. There's a couple of moments like that in the second one, but they're not they're not as good. Um, and I like I you know you hate to say it, I think Ken Reeves just got a couple of years older and you're already into your fifties doing this kind of shit. You move a little slower, I think. And it's just it's hard hard to correct for that. Yeah, and I don't know if they just finished or or gonna just start, but uh, chapter three is supposedly yeah. coming soon, which I'm super excited about. I mean, he walks off into chapter three at the end of two. They, yeah, exactly. They, they know what they're doing. And, <laughs> and I mean, the other side of that is if, if he keeps getting a little slower each movie, possibly because of the actor's age and physical condition, the character is also being beaten down. So it makes sense that he would be moving a little differently. Yeah. Yep. Big fan of the uh, John Wick movies. Yeah, so that's and that is, I think, all I got around to watching. Uh, well, I didn't have a whole lot either. Um, uh, finally started Jessica Jones season two, enjoying it enough. I know Noah probably peed his pants when the Wizard was one of the main instigations of the plot moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> what a great, what a great deep fucking cut that was. <laughs> Not even the fact that it's the wizard, but the fact that he that he actually has a mongoose. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Gotta have that magic mongoose blood. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we're only like f- four or five episodes in, so I still got a little ways to go, but enjoying it enough so far. Uh, the only other thing I watched is a movie that I heard kind of some buzz about in the horror circles a while back called Revenge, which is a uh, rape revenge movie. Okay. Uh, and then I rented it. And I'm like, ah, kind of in the mood for something you know that I've I've heard some buzz about, but I haven't watched yet. And oh yeah, I heard about this one. I'll rent it. Check it out. And then immediately the uh, Shutter logo comes up, and I realize that it's going to be on Shutter in September, and I just paid for it, which I already paid for Shutter, so I was like, "Son of a bitch!" But oh well. Um. So, is yes, this girl who goes to like this luxurious uh, sort of vacation home somewhere in Europe, but I didn't really pay that close of attention. And it turns out the guy she's with is married, and they're kind of doing their thing or whatever. And she keeps getting irritated because he'll call his wife, and she's just like, "Oh, you know, don't call your wife. Like we're whatever." And then out of nowhere, two guys show up, and so it turns out that uh, he goes on this hunting trip with these two guys from the military, from his, you know, when he was in the military, or whatever, every year. And so he took her to this cabin, or this, not cabin, but like this vacation home, like two days before they were supposed to do their trip, and then she was supposed to leave, and then they would do their hunting stuff. And then uh, 
you know, whatever. And she's kind of just one of those very superficial girls. Like, she's kind of obnoxious, and it's just like, bleh. Uh... So, of course, they all get drunk in her party because there's like a pool and stuff. And she wants to dance with uh, with her guy, and he's all like, no, nah, I don't want to. So she turns on some music and, you know, is like grinded on one of the other guys. Like, she's just dancing, having a good time, not really thinking too much about it. The next morning, that weird guy is acting very... Uh, uh, like overly nice to her and her boyfriend had gone because they have to take like these hunting permits or something to wherever i don't know plot points to get him out of the house um he's acting all weird towards her like this other guy so she kind of just tries to like get away from him goes into the bedroom and then he follows her in and he basically is angry he's like well tell me what's wrong with me since you were all over me last night and she's like what are you talking about so of course he gets all mad and uh, bad things happen. And then that guy comes back and finds out that this guy essentially raped his girlfriend. But he's more upset that obviously she's gonna tell someone and they're all gonna be in trouble. So she ends up running out of the house. They chase her, they push her over a cliff. And she gets impaled on this tree. And then he's basically just telling them like, we're just gonna hunt like we normally do. We're gonna take care of this just sweep it under the rug and like everything will be fine and then of course it turns out she's not dead and she gets herself she gets herself off the tree and then uh through i don't know, know what you wouldn't call it she essentially turns herself into a survivalist and slowly starts picking them off one by one but it's not it's not as simplified as that that makes any sense i don't know you basically just see her turn into a badass because if she doesn't she's gonna end up dying and uh yeah i thought it was pretty good like i said it's it's a rape revenge movie so you kind of know what you're getting at a certain point the lead up to it is mildly interesting how everything gets put in motion but ultimately you're just there to watch her get angry and pay all these guys back in different ways for being assholes so yeah revenge recommend if you're into that kind of movie um it's not as overly graphic as some rape revenge movies still not good but i'm just saying if you're a little squeamish about some of that stuff it's not as bad as other movies i've seen so you can get through the tough parts and then just watch her be a badass for last two-thirds of the movie. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Yeah, so for next week, uh, speaking of rape revenge movies, we're going to be talking about uh, Linda Blair and Savage Streets, and then the 1985 movie Sudden Death, not the one with Van Damme, uh, which I've never seen Sudden Death, so this will be interesting, I guess. I don't think any of us have, right? I haven't seen any of these movies. Yeah. That one's full blind. Ooh. So, should be interesting. Should be interesting. It'll teach Noah's girlfriend to tell us what to do. <laughs> Make you watch cartoons, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, we gave you your cartoons. Now you gotta watch this. 
She's going to be like, nah, I'm going to find something else to do. She's going to watch these movies with Noah. He's going to come home from work the next day. All this shit's going to be on the street. <laughs> uh, poor Noah. I'd be like, you remember that little girl from The Exorcist? This is going to end Noah's relationship, and it's going to be all our fault. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Ah. <sighs> Um. All right. Yeah, I got nothing else. No. Oh. That show was seventy-five percent us talking about toys instead of movies, but whatever. <laughs> uh, with these particular movies, the toys are indistinguishable from them. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Amanda was watching the toys that made us today. Um, oh, I was like, oh, I should, I should watch the uh, Transformers and GI Joe episodes, but I didn't. Yeah, I had that in my head too to watch those, but yeah, I, I, I... the GI Joe episodes pretty fascinating. Yeah. Instead, I got to watch the. Uh... Later, we made smaller ones. <laughs> Instead, I got to watch the uh, Barbie episode and the Hello Kitty episode. Probably equally fascinating. There is a lot of scandal in the Barbie episode. Yeah, the fact that, like, the people who are really responsible for making Barbie got fucked. Yeah, really? pretty much. Well, that's good. Barbie's a bad yeah. influence on you and several generations of young girls. <laughs> and it was one of, it's one of these uh, terrible things where there was a lawsuit involved, and eventually the person won the lawsuit, but they held off paying them for so long during the lawsuit that basically destroyed them. Like completely bankrupt. Mm. The the whole lawsuit thing is problematic at best. I've known a couple of people who have won lawsuits and been like, "Awesome, I won! I have the moral victory of knowing I won." (laughs) All I got out of it. Yeah. Like, oh well. But my lawyer's loaded. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Two forces waging endless war. Every day they waste more. When the day is done And they go home What do they do for fun? Night falls on G.I. Joe headquarters Shipwreck just got season one of the Wonder Years Doc is reading Dostoevsky It's no jobs drinking beer I heard he likes to drink quite a bit Snake Eyes is painting landscapes It makes him feel at peace His latest is a series Of sunsets on the beach And Scarlet lies awake and wonders Will Duke still love me when I'm old? I see the way he looks at Lady J Someday he's gonna leave me in the cold No, Duke, don't Night falls on the Cobra Terror Drone. 
Storm shadows taking out the trash Tomax's boosting Zamot's wallet He needs the extra cash Cobra Commander loves 70's boogie a big fan of three dog night one is the loneliest number when he takes over the world the first thing he'll do is make him reunite and Zartan sits up late and wonders I wonder wonder who 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 is the real me And in the end, do I really have any friends? Love me for being Zartan. Love me for being me. Destro, Destro and the Baroness, Destro and the Baroness, practicing the clarinet. Destro and the Baroness, practicing the clarinet, practicing the clarinet, practicing the clarinet. Jogging on his ham radio His best friend is some guy He doesn't even know If things could always be this way Wouldn't that be nice? But no dice Cobra's got the mass device